welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma. I am so glad that you joined us for this episode. It's a really fun one. We have a returning guest this time, Naomi Craig. I looked back because it seems like she had just been here, but it's been about a year. And so we're so thrilled to have her back. She is a wonderful lady with a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom, a real heart for the Lord, and she is always so much fun to talk to. So before we get into our interview with Naomi, just remember a couple of things. First of all, subscribe if you haven't done so yet so that you don't miss out on any of these episodes with any of these terrific authors. I'm putting together everything for the last half of the year. I can't believe that we're coming up on the end of the year, but I'm filling out that schedule. I have some great guests line up. You don't want to miss out on anybody who's coming up. Second of all, make sure that you're following Christian Historical Fiction Talk on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. We're all over social media. It's a great way also to know when new episodes are coming out, but also to get input on the kinds of episodes that we have, what we talk about, who the guests are, and we just sometimes like to sit back and just chat about what we're reading and about Christian historical fiction in general. So please join us over there. And if you get a chance, go over to the show notes. I'll have that information at the end, but check out my Patreon there and please consider supporting Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I would really appreciate it. All right, that's going to be it. Let's move into our interview with Naomi Craig. She has a brand new book out called Ezekiel's Song, and she is here to talk about that book. Welcome to the show, Naomi. It is so good to have you back with us today. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm I'm delighted to be here. Yes, you were here, I want to say it was about a year ago. I was surprised at actually how long it was because it felt like you were just here. But for Rahab's Courage, that was the title of your first book, correct? That's correct. Yep. So it's been a year. And now I'm just about to launch Ezekiel's Song. So my next book, so. Well, we're very excited about that. Before we get talking more about Ezekiel's song, for those who need a little refresher in their memory or who haven't met you before, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to in the past year? Yeah, I'm Naomi Craig. I live in the southeastern mountains of Arizona, and my husband is a pastor. I'm a theater mom, and I also, uh, in addition to writing, I also co-host a podcast YouTube channel about a Christian author interview as well. That's called Behind the Story. And I'm also uh, facilitating Biblical Fiction Aficionados Facebook group over on Facebook. Wow, that sounds great. And I have been on your podcast slash YouTube channel a couple of times now, I think, and always enjoy getting to chat with you and with your co-host and You do a great job, so I would encourage everybody to check that out. Sometimes we'll overlap guests. I see you have the same guests as I do, but sometimes you have different ones than me for sure. So we we can complement each other that way. Yeah, yeah. We um our focus. So my co-host writes contemporary romance and rom coms. So we're focusing on the rom com and romance contemporary, but also we go into historical as well. So we've kind of got a an eclectic assortment of (laughs) (laughs) who who our target audience is there. 
Right, right. Well, it's always fun to chat with you ladies. So listeners, once you get done listening to this episode, then go over and check out Naomi's podcast, Behind the Story, it's called, right? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm having a good day remembering things. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Not always uh, that way, that's for sure. So the new book is Ezekiel's Song, and it just sounds absolutely fascinating. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. Ezekiel's song is also biblical fiction. It takes place in Old Testament. And the main character is, of course, Ezekiel, the prophet. You know, I was uh, reading it. It's like, who reads Ezekiel? Like, it's it, There's so much happening. There's There's the prophecies to those who are in Babylon. There's the prophecies to those who are in Jerusalem. There's prophecies about the new kingdom, which haven't even come come yet. So there's there's a lot happening in the book of Ezekiel, but it was just so moving when I studied that on a deep level because it was seeing how it, you know, not just skimming over it because this prophecy doesn't apply to me yet, blah, blah, blah. It was digging in deep to see what are the people's lives behind all these bizarre symbolisms that the Lord asks and all of these prophecies and all of the things that maybe you are familiar with, like the four-faced angels and the wheel within the wheel and the dry bones and coming to life and, you know, that that sort of thing that Ezekiel is kind of known for. What's happening in the lives of the people before, as they're going through these prophecies, as the Lord is asking this of them. So it's really fun to discover that. I'm sure that was. You know, I sat down to try to put some questions together. I liked the conversation to flow, but in case we got a little stuck, I was going to have some backup questions here and things I definitely wanted to make sure I touched on. I thought, oh, Ezekiel, it's a book in the Bible. I should know this. And I sat down and started going, I don't know much about Ezekiel at all. And so I started doing a little bit of research into Ezekiel and read the first couple of chapters of Ezekiel. And I went, boy, this is really, really fascinating. So it must have been really exciting to get to delve into the book of Ezekiel a little bit more and the man Ezekiel and his life. So can you tell us a little bit about what you discovered in your research about the man Ezekiel and who he was? Yeah, so it, um, first chapter, he's mentioned as a priest, and they've been in captivity for five years already. So he is contemporary with the prophet Jeremiah, with Daniel, the book of Daniel. He's kind of fitting right in where there with that. So there were three exiles that Nebuchadnezzar hosted, escorted, I don't know, (laughs) implemented. One was with, the first one was with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bringing all of the royals out to, you know, the sons of the royals out to Babylon to kind of reprogram them um, military strategy-wise. And then the next one was a few years later, the king um, Jehoiakim, with an M, he kind of bailed on on paying tribute to Nebuchadnezzar. So a few years later, Nebuchadnezzar comes back and talks to the son and says, okay, well, where's, if you're not going to pay me tribute, then I'm going to take 10,000 of you this time out to Babylon. So that one was artisans and musicians and valiant warriors. And Ezekiel is in that exile. And then the third one, again, the king, the appointed king is still not, paying homage to 
Nebuchadnezzar as he should. And so the entire city of Jerusalem is raised and anybody who is left after this horrible siege is taken out to Babylon. So we're in the midst of that politically. And so he's he says he's a priest. He says he's the priest, the son of Buzi, who is also a priest. But it's interesting because how I figure it, and right there in that chapter one, it says he's 25 years old and he's been in Jerusalem in Babylon since he was 25. So now he's 30 as it begins. And but if you read back through Leviticus and the laws for the priesthood, priests couldn't be ordained until they were age 30. You could, as a Levite, when David was king, he implemented that Levites could begin their service at age 20. What I imagined him to do was he was already in service in the temple as a Levite with the trajectory of becoming a priest when he turned 30. So I, I played with that. I gave him what I see in the scripture. I see that he has a zeal for the people and for the Lord's ways and wants to see them turn back to the Lord. Of course, like many other prophets, the Lord tells him people may or may not listen, but tell the message anyway. So I gave him the backstory that he does have this zeal for the Lord back in the temple. And he is, this is my imagination, but I have him as a scheduler of the priests and things happening at the temple. And he's, he is wanting, like I have him learning under Jeremiah and he sees that Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and destroy everything they know. He's trying to warn the people. The Lord calls him a watchman for the people. If you sound the alarm, this is in the book of Ezekiel. If you sound the alarm and people listen, then their lives will be saved. If you don't sound the alarm, then their lives are on your head. So I kind of had him have that job, if you will, before he gets exiled as well, because I I see how the Lord gives us situations and prepares us through everyday things for something big that we're going to need later on. So I have him doing that. So he has this great passion for the Lord and he wants more people to turn from their wicked ways and to repent. And then suddenly he's out in Babylon and he can't become a priest if he is not in Jerusalem and he's not serving in the temple. So I just thought that was really interesting on the wording on that. So I do have him pursuing priesthood, you know, but instead when he should have at age 30, when he should have going into being that seven day fast for being sanctified for a priest, he's going on a seven day fast and the Lord is giving him the mantle of prophet. So he wants to serve the Lord, but it's it's shifting out way different than he planned, you know. <laughs> and and then of course, if you are reading in Ezekiel, as the Lord is implementing this ministry, he also says, "I'm going to bind you on your side once uh, one day for every year that the nation of Israel strayed away, and one day for every year that the nation of Judah strayed away." So he is on one side or the other paralyzed really for about 14 months and his primary message is still back to Jerusalem so he's paralyzed his message needs to go back to Jerusalem to those who are still denying that God will God's not going to do this to our holy city because it's the city called in his name he won't destroy Jerusalem like that's kind of their mindset so he's paralyzed and oh wait hold on there's more he's also struck mute for seven years until Jerusalem falls 
unless there's a specific word that the Lord puts in his mouth. So he's mute, he's paralyzed, he's in a world away. How does he get his message, the Lord's message of repentance back? Something else he is mentioned as one of the prophets who actually have a wife. So he, you know, that kind of can fill in the picture. That's where biblical fiction I like is because it it kind of it takes it from being a linear account and it says this is a real man and traditionally his wife would have been taking care of the the cooking and he could have she could have helped him with the ministry as he's you know incapacitated and he's not able to physically do the work that the Lord has set before him so he is mentioned of having a wife and you know traditionally they most people did have uh, families. So it, it's just kind of showing, it's kind of pulling back the curtain on not only how his life was affected, but how her life and how the people in Babylon were affected by these bizarre prophecies as well. Really fascinating. I said, like I said, I read the first few chapters of Ezekiel in preparation for this. And the first chapter of Ezekiel as I'm reading through this, and maybe I'm I'm wrong, but it really struck me almost as having language very similar to the book of Revelation. And you mentioned Daniel, somewhat mm. similar to the book of Daniel as well. Yeah, as I was looking at, you know, the times that they were in, like famine and wars, and, you know, because they were not turning to God, their, their nation was being attacked. And, you know, God was very clear about that. And I saw so many parallels to today about if we're not going to be turning to God, why do we think that we're going to be saved from harm just because we're his chosen one? You know what I mean? Like the city, like, oh, well, God would never destroy the city of Jerusalem. And yet that was, that was ultimately the plan to get them to turn back to him. So it's like, why are we why are we playing around with this here today and not and not turning to him? You know, <laughs> he's serious about this. So. I was thinking that as you were talking about what his prophecies were and telling the people to turn back and how the people in Jerusalem said, oh, God's not going to destroy us because this is his holy city. And I think you're right. We have that same mindset today. Oh, we're, right. we're walking the right path. We're a quote unquote Christian nation and God isn't going to punish us in any way for anything that's going on. And I think that's really walking around with blinders on for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. It's sad. It's very eye opening right. for sure. And I think you're right not to veer off from fiction into too much theology or anything, but and my pastor and I've heard other pastors talk about the already not yet part of prophecy that it's already been fulfilled in some way, but in other ways it has not yet been fulfilled. And right. so what Ezekiel is saying to the people of Jerusalem and to the exiles in Babylon can very well apply to us and to our lives today. And we would do very well to listen to what he has to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned it just very briefly that your pastor's wife and that sometimes things don't turn out the way that we think that they're going to turn out and we've been prepared in ways for what's coming for us. And I 
think I got this off of your website. You said something about you're in many ways like Ezekiel's wife or in some ways like Ezekiel's wife. Can you sort of expand on that? How would you say you're sort of like Ezekiel's wife? Yeah, this book was very personal for me. My husband, that our last church, my husband was working full-time for the county. He was working part-time for the church. He was also attending seminary. He was incredibly busy and I don't I don't know how he managed it all because he's just amazing like that. But there were a lot of things that, you know, while he was out at his secular job, somebody needed a box from the food pantry. So that kind of fell on me. And there were other parts that I was able to help shoulder to ease his ministry and burden, you know, and I was able to help with that. And for that time, that's where the Lord put me. And I didn't, I didn't handle it the best. (laughs) Yeah, I I probably didn't, I didn't know I could say no to things back then, (laughs) you know, I'm trying to have better boundaries in my life. But at the time, that's what the Lord put on our lives. And so just, you know, serving and kind of having that balance come in. And so when we got out here, really, it's been an amazing opportunity because there's so many people serving, already were in place serving, already were committed to the different areas of the ministry. And I didn't have to do everything or not as much, obviously not everything, but you know, not as much. And it just was like, which was good. I was, I was very thankful. You know, it's so beautiful to see the people of God serving where he has put them and wants them to be. But I was kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do with myself now? You know, (laughs) so, you know, I just, I just, as, as Ezekiel comes out of his paralysis, he still is mute for a few more years. But as he comes out, that's kind of how I have his wife kind of going through that same transition of, well, what, what do I, (laughs) okay. It was nothing that I did for the last period. It was nothing counted or like, you know, had to have, she had to heal from, from that too and find, find her joy again in serving and see that sometimes God changes the shape of our, our service but he's always there with us and he's not going to ask us to do something and say, Oh, have fun. Send me a postcard. You know, he's, he's always, he's always actively there with us and it's, and we can make the choice to be actively with him as well. I love that. That's really, really beautiful. Switching gears a little bit here. As I was digging around on your website, you mentioned something about a good book and a good cup of coffee And like, I go on every author's website and they always talk about coffee, it seems. What What do you think it is with authors and coffee? What's our problem? I don't know. We need a little liquid motivation or something. (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe that's it. I don't know. But it just, it struck me. I'm like, Oh, another author, another coffee lover. Makes sense. (laughs) Another coffee. (laughs) Straight black or do you have to doctor it up? I have to doctor it. And actually, I don't know if this disqualifies me from being a serious coffee connoisseur, but this summer I've had to, I've, I've switched over to iced. So I can't, I can't handle the heat this summer for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I don't blame you. One little 
bit at all. Not at all. So. <laughs> doesn't disqualify you in my book in any way, shape, or form. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Copy copy. And mine is usually very, think- very doctored up. My son is like, you know, mom, you are drinking warm creamer with a little bit of coffee in it. <laughs> That's the best way. <laughs> Sure. So you mentioned that this isn't the last book, which we're very, very happy about. What are you working on now? Well, right next up, I'm actually part of a Christmas collection with Celebrate Lit. And the title of it just came out, but I can't remember exactly what it was. It's basically Christmases and Castles. So uh, (laughs) it's going to be a... It doesn't fit. I mean, your typical Christmas, I assume people would think of like a Hallmark romance, but mine is adding in biblical fiction. So Christmas castles and biblical fiction. And yeah, so I went with Herod's, you know, in in the book of Matthew, when the wise men show up to Herod's palace, Herod has to ask his scribes and the chief priests, where is the Messiah meant to be born? And so this is from the scribes perspective. Interesting. Wow, a really different take on a Christmas story. And I love how you work in the biblical fiction and the castle and all of that. Yeah. Well, well done. I applaud you. That couldn't have been easy to come up with. Yeah, maybe this might be a thrower for people. One of my girls in my critique group didn't like I I had to make a note at the beginning, but like I always have thought that the wise men showed up when Jesus was about you know, toddler age, just on how the things are worded. And he was actually made it to the temple to be dedicated eight days later after he was born and all that. So that might be a, like, that doesn't even feel like Christmas because I have it a couple of years Mm -hmm. after. So I don't know, not trying to change anyone's theological approach there, but, uh, you know, I've always, I've always seen it that the wise men showed up not the same night. I know, I know we always see them in the nativities. They're always there at the same night with the shepherds and all that, but he's in a house with, they go to see him in a house and, and they're able to go to the temple in Jerusalem eight days later and give sacrifices. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of the scribe's journey. Like he's too late for, he's a scribe. He should have known this coming up. He should have been looking, you know, and Jerusalem is only about six miles away from Bethlehem. You know, if if something that life-changing happened in the town next to mine, would I actually take time out of my day to go and see what God is doing? You know what I mean? Like, so he's he's kind of too late for a lot of things, and yet he's trying desperately to catch up and and find the truth. You know, if obviously Herod had a very negative outlook on this, you know, with, we see that with the genocide of the baby boys and stuff. So it's, it's not a happy, it's not a happy Christmas, (laughs) but (laughs) it's, uh, it's pretty heavy, but I have been meeting up with Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, and trying to discover the truth, you know, because he's able to chat with the priests and stuff like that. So. Well, interesting. We will definitely be looking for that. Is that available for pre-order yet or? Yeah, it is available for pre-order. And again, I I just heard the name of the collection and I don't remember 
I can't remember what it is, but my, my section of it is available. I think it's going to be a two-parter. There are six authors in each collection, mm-hmm. I guess you will. So Very good. So then if listeners would like to connect with you, keep up with you, and get the latest news from you like about this Christmas novella collection, how can they go about doing that? The best way is through my website, naomicraig.com. I'm also hanging out on Instagram as Naomi Craig author, and then primarily over at Biblical Fiction Aficionados Facebook group. Very good. Well, the time has flown by. I can't believe we're already at the end, but thank you once again for joining us. It's been very enjoyable as always, and we appreciate you stopping by and talking about Ezekiel's song. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure as always. Well, as I said at the beginning, Naomi is always very interesting, very knowledgeable, full of a lot of wisdom to share with us, and it was great getting to chat with her. So be sure to pick up Ezekiel's song and give it a read and pick up your Bible and check out the book of Ezekiel as well. Naomi, her goal is to get you to pick up your Bible and to read the actual biblical account of what she's writing fictionally. So I would encourage you, I'm going to dive into the book of Ezekiel now, thanks to what she's told us about it. Sounds like a really fascinating book with a lot that we can learn from it, a lot that God has to say to us in that book. So thank you so much, Naomi, for doing that for us. If you would like to find out more about Naomi or about Ezekiel's song or to get a handy link to the book, then please head over to my website, which is liztolsma.com. And there you will find the show notes with all that information on there. I'll have a link for you to purchase Ezekiel's song, as well as a link for Rahab's Courage. So please check that out. Also go to Naomi's website and check that out as well. You have some opportunities to get a couple of free novellas there if you go over to her website. So I will have a link to that as well. So check that out. Next week on the show, we have another topic. And here is why I said at the beginning of the show to be sure to follow Christian Historical Fiction Talk on social media because I will be posting a question up there. And the question that we're going to be talking about, what we're going to be talking about on the next show is, what was your favorite summer read? I can't believe the summer is over. It's back to school time. It's thinking about fall time. I don't even want to say it, but the holidays are going to be upon us before we know it. So let's look back and think about what our favorite summer reads are. So head over, find Christian Historical Fiction Talk on your favorite social media platform, be it Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'll have the question posted in all three places. And tell me what was your favorite summer read and tell me why you liked it so much. And it may make it on to next week's show. As always, I appreciate your support. I appreciate you tuning in and listening every week. I appreciate you sharing with your Christian historical fiction friends and family about the podcast and letting them know about it. And I just want to say a special thank you to all of you. Couldn't do it without you. I hope you all have a great weekend. We will see you next time. Mm -hmm.